Hello, lovely people. <laughs> what an introduction. <laughs> I love it, Johnny. Um, so I'm joined today by the brilliant Johnny Bevan, and he is here representing male time hackers. So we want to give him a warm welcome. Hi, Johnny. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Great to have you. We were actually just, I could have hit record a few minutes earlier because we were just speaking about planning for like podcasts and what to say and how neither of us planned anything. We were just going to come here and have a fun chat and those kind of, um, and listen, if it suits you to plan or whatever, then all good. I've just noticed I've got all my, <laughs> like blood, but it's like all my, um, I've got like a, ro you're not even seeing it on the podcast, but all my rosy tea and um, staining on my hand. Sorry about that. Um, it does look like blood. It does it look does. like blood. I thought you thought you murdered someone in the background. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a way to get discovered. That would be a great true crime podcast. Yeah, the last person that was on your podcast, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, so good to have you here. Why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about you, what you do, um, and who you are? Yeah, so I'm Johnny Bevan, and I've been, I haven't been in Time Hackers that long, actually, a few months. Uh, but I'm also a serving police officer. I'm a detective down in Bristol. Probably tell by the accent. <laughs> where we crunch the carrots down there and, and I've been in like I say 16 years I'm on a child protection team but also I found life coaching about four or five years ago and I'm also a stress and burnout coach for the police and I work with other people other professionals in sort of <clears throat> high stress roles but my passion is working with police officers helping them reduce that stress and actually get their love back for the job without it affecting their health and their relationships. Cause it, I see so many people sacrificing what's really important to them. So yeah, that's what I do. Very, very important work. I think we can all agree and just so grateful for you and for the work that you've done and now the work that you continue to do and helping others. And I will say, so on the B2B side, we've been working with nonprofits. And I think that like when you really care about your work and the purpose behind it, so there's already how we're conditioned to overgive of ourselves in a mm -hmm. work environment. And then there's the care of like, actually, when you do a career that you care about, that has meaning, that aligns with your values, then of course, you also then want to give more. So I think you probably see a lot of that. Yeah. And I think it's when that passion is that when that passion, you need passion. I definitely see you need passion to do that, those sorts of jobs. But it's when it becomes crosses that line of being emotionally attached and when it's okay when things are going well but it's when things don't go well which often happens in our job and then people sort of almost like they care too they've cared too much for too long and they crash and I just my I look at it simply as my job is to keep the people that help people in the job simple yes. as that. yes and I also think a big narrative that we've come across is um if I care about my job, then I should give all my hours to my job yeah. and I should always be available for every person in my job. And therefore mm. I'm on call for like 50 people 24 seven, which is totally unsustainable. And I think like I say, like people just don't see it. I was up at a school the other day and we've got a, a case going on where something's happened in a school and the head teacher, and this is where the coaches helped me in my role. She's like stressed out, burnt out because she got everyone phoning her at night. And I went, why are you answering your phone? And she, and it just, it just like, it was like throwing something out. She was like, what? I said, but do you have to answer your phone? She went, no. I said, well, how about just not answering it? And she was a bit like, oh, that's quite a simple solution really. But she was like stressed 
but she didn't realize that she was taking that on. And then ironically, people burn out and then they're not, they're not available at all. Yeah. That's the thing. That's such a good example for everyone listening. I know we have some people that like have never experienced coaching yet, but what Johnny's just explained is so often when we are in a situation, when we are so close to it, we miss the obvious things, especially when we have stress going on in our brain and in our body and, you know, our fight or flight is activated and all of that stuff. Like we miss the simple things in front of us. Mm. I don't think coaching has to be this like, big like mind I mean we have we definitely have those moments but I also think oftentimes it's like those simple switches like that her just not answering the phone call in the evenings has just given her life back yeah and just listening to her as I was listening to her you could see what was driving that because it's easy to say just don't pick up the phone the solution's quite easy but you could see that she the whole reputation of that school she thought fell to her and she was trying to control everything that wasn't in her control trying to shut down everything on social media which i think is impossible anyway right and, but it's because she meant it means something about her and as soon as she just pointed that out she just went oh okay that's and i and i just find that when we're in that those sort of states the last thing we take care of is us we just keep that's what i was like i kept working and working and working trying to work my way out of it and then you get to a place where you go, you can't effort your way out of this. It's literally effort is not going to do it anymore. Yeah. And then you crash, your whole identity crashes. And I think that's where the coaching is so powerful, where it just identifies those beliefs that are driving you to work that way. Yes, like the why behind it. You cannot just change the action without uncovering the why, because then it will be, okay, I won't answer my phone, but I have to respond to all emails. Like it will just transfer onto a different thing yeah. until you get to the root of it. And I've, re I've realized as well, which I've noticed in my job is, it's really, you can take, you don't, I don't suggest that you, are, you know, I very much all about switching off and when you leave work, that's it. But sometimes like, if you decide to work on, I realize it's that energy you do it from and like you can do it from fear, which is what a lot of people do it from. But actually you could take that same action from a, from duty or love and it just feels fueling as opposed to scared and that's what i found is you she could probably still take that action if she decided to but from a very different feeling and her whole experience would be very different and that's what i found with the police <clears throat> people feel is if they're compelled to doing something and they're doing it because of fear of the consequence as opposed to going this is why i really do it because of this sense of duty that's what i find I think that's true for a lot of us. I think we start something with the right intention and as we're in, our brain kicks in by design to start thinking about what other people will think of us, the example that we're setting, mm -hmm. um, the potential risks and downsides and all of that as our brain is by design and we forget the original reason why we're doing something to begin with. Yeah, I've just I've just been coaching some people now and you sort of go, I think everything comes back to, doesn't that fear of what other people think? I think everything, you can nail everything down to that. <laughs> and and then you go, but when you've got that higher purpose, when you go, so for me in the police, when I'm going to say interview someone, I can feel the nerves and all that bringing it about me. I just go, what do they need from me? What does this, I work on child protection, so that's very easy for me. And I do the same with my coaching. When I'm presenting to people, and I had a real fear of public speaking. I've worked through that. But when I'm just getting up there, I'm shaking and I'm sort of like, oh, and I feel my heart racing. I just picture that one person in there who, if I stand up, even if I do it badly, 
if they get this, what difference is going to make to them? And it's not that it gets rid of the fear. It actually just helps you take the fear with you. Yeah. I mean, this is like one third of what time hacking is all about, really changing our relationship to fear. I think if like I had a magic pill that would eliminate everyone's fear, then I would like obviously give it out. But the idea that we're to get, we're supposed to experience zero fear when doing things we've literally evolved to avoid, like putting ourselves in the spotlight, like opening ourselves up for other people's opinions, like exposing ourselves to failure or rejection or any of those things, like fear is going to be there. And I think a lot of, it's almost a lot of the mistakes I've seen around coaching is people trying to coach away the fear. Whereas my stance is obviously, as you know, similar to yours, is like the fear is coming along. What do you want to say to it as you go? Like, what do you want your relationship Mm. to be? Well, that's why I decided to become a time hacker because my wife, Nikki, she's a coach. She went to Texas. She's been on your time hackers, hasn't she? And, And then she said, actually, you know, explain what you did and I was like well actually I had one chat with you and thought yeah it's so aligned with what I do yeah but also I find how you simplify the concepts like the thing that I had never done before was thought of fear as a person yeah and as soon as I did that I was like oh my first coaching session I had with someone through the time hackers they said what would your relationship be like with fear if it's a person I was like I'd be trying to push it away and hide it, shove it <laughs> under the stairs all the time. And I'd be fighting it. And I realized I'm using all this energy to fight it and trying to you, know, you get the awareness of it. And then you're trying to get rid of it. Whereas I thought I could literally be using that energy to get what I want. Yeah. And having that, having that sort of image of it as a person really change things because when I'm at a presentation it's like it's next to me and it's going oh no 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 they're not going to like it oh and I don't even have to argue I don't even have to go no that's not true because in that moment it makes it worse you just go okay but I got you we're gonna we're gonna do it anyway it's fine. Yeah. and and I think the biggest things I've done is where I go and I, I took this from you as well is when you go do it scared do it scared and the one thing for me was having worked on a lot on perfectionism was a struggle is do it badly. Yeah. I love it. And actually that just come when I, I was doing my presentation the other week and I stood up and suddenly I'd done a lot and suddenly this fear come over me. And I thought, I can't remember my introduction. I literally, cause I don't have a script, but I just, I usually start off sort of the same way. And I went, I can't remember it. And I was literally, they were just introducing me to go on. I just put about a hundred people and I went, well, I'm going to have to not do it then. I just have to not, I, I just have to get up and go, I can't, can't remember the intro, yes. <laughs> but that was my intro. Yes. And it was amazing. As soon as I just went, right, let's go and do this badly. I always used to think that was something bad that I was going to be sloppy and not care. But actually what I realized is people relate to you more yeah. and you, and you get more done. You get people, if people are looking at you thinking you're up there, not feeling fear is what I've noticed in the police in anything, when you're coaching, when if I look at you and go, well, Vicky doesn't feel fair, then you where you are is unattainable. Yes. Whereas when I go, oh, you're scared, but you're doing it and you're still scared and you're doing it. And I think people don't believe that people that are above you are scared. Yes. I, I know when we were at your live event and you said you feel it and everyone, you see everyone sort of going, yeah, but do you? Do you really? And yes. And I think when you're just open about it and do it scared, it inspires people, motivates them to come along with you. That's what I found. 
I think you're exactly right. And I think it's one of the most important things we can do as leaders, as coaches, is share that example. And I didn't always know that. Even people that have listened to this podcast from day one, I do think I used to have more of like a, oh, I'm a professional. Um, and only in the last year or so, and I've really, I think, stepped into being my own type of leader instead of what someone else's definition. Mm. And so Johnny's sharing, I had the time hackers over to my house and we did brunch and it was really cool. And I do think one of the pushes that I'm trying to do in the business is to be more human, more vulnerable, more open, Mm. because otherwise it's not just that we can't get to where we want. It's also we create a difference between us and the people doing what we want to do instead of seeing the similarities between us and the people doing what we want to do, which is, of course, a time hack that's going to get you there faster if you're like, oh, before doing this, I must learn how to conquer my fear so I never feel it, then you just aren't going to do what you do. But like, if you're like, before doing this, I must make sure the opening is perfect and I know it off by heart, back to front sideways, then you're not going to do that opening. And I think the example that you shared about you speaking up and just being like, hey, my mind has gone blank. <laughs> this is where we're at. Yeah. Everyone in there immediately, you know, relates to you. And, and I think the world needs more, not less humanity right now. Oh. Do you know, I was sat doing a presentation yesterday, actually, and I went in and I was at the usual nerves and I have this sort of process I go through where I, I know the awareness, I know the thought that creates the fear, but I just then hold it. I then sit, allow the fear. I do it when I go canoeing as well. And I can feel the adrenaline, I can feel the shake. And then I picture the person that I'm doing it for. <clears throat> and then I go, I, so I allow myself to have this real fear and, ooh, and then I go, now we're getting to work. Now we're, now we're taking the fear and we're doing it. We're just going to stand up and do it. And as I was speaking to everyone, we're all sort of, there's a lot of seasoned detectives there and there's a sergeants. And then there's this guy from uniform who's come up on attachment who hasn't been in that long. So I'm talking about fear and that. And he just went, it is refreshing to know that you feel the same as us. He said, we're down in uniform thinking, well, all you lot got it sorted because we go out to the jobs when they're nervous of them and they think, oh, this person's just, just gliding in and got it all sorted. And actually... Then I sort of encourage the sergeants to open up. And because I said they put on a mask and then we're going, oh, they got it sorted. But really, they're quite inside. And it's harder when you do that because suddenly you can't fail. You can't fall because everyone's looking at you. Yes. And suddenly you realize everyone's the same. And I've done it for our senior leadership team because they had me up there to speak about how we could help the staff. And suddenly they realized they needed the help. Yes, um, and the chief superintendent just went. She she just opened up to how she felt, and someone else, another high ranking officer, went. I've never heard anyone that rank say that before, like that. And you just think that then it allows them to be human. It allows them to realize when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, this doesn't mean I'm weak and can't cope. When actually it means I'm normal and human. I can ask for help, and I'm not supposed to be doing this on my own. That's the big thing for me. I love that sentence. I'm not supposed to be doing this on my own. Yeah, that was a big thing for me. <clears throat> I used to I used to sit at work, be going, um, uh, I used to go, oh, just don't get any help around there. Just don't, like, I would be doing, a, I'm a prisoner and be doing all this work. Then people go, wait, do you want me to do anything? No, that's all right. I'll do that. Oh, no. no, I'll do that. I used to send, one day I sent everyone home. Yes. And then sat there going, i got no one to help. Lost my temper. <laughs> and that was my height of burnout. I, I yeah. lost my temper. I, I remember 
everyone used to think I was all calm and that when everyone was gone, I remember screaming, hitting the desk, broke the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, taxpayer. <laughs> broke, broke the keyboard, screamed so loud. I was just like, ah, I lost my voice and I burst a blood vessel. Wow. It was that, it was that bad. And But what I realized is I had created that because of my fear of being perceived as weak, not being able to cope, and that I should know how to do it all. This is, I think, a huge barrier to getting help, particularly in men, that I find. Um, I think I think we all have it, but I do find particularly, I mean, even with my partner, I can see the, like, even with directions, right? It's like, it's just everything. It's like the desire to figure it out himself, even though I'm like, this is a long way. We can literally just go and ask this person in this shop and they, like, work here. They're probably going to know exactly where it is. We were in the Trafford Centre, which is like a shopping mall in Manchester, and we found out they had like one of our favorite restaurants. We were like, oh, let's go for brunch at Bill's. And you could see it on the map, but it was like a bit off. Anyway, we walked like the whole length of the mall before I was like, this is, it's not here. We've gone the wrong way. Just because you were not willing to not even you ask, but me ask. I was willing to ask. You didn't need to use any saving grace. You were not willing. You had to use the map. You've used it wrong. And now we've just, and I think it's such a metaphor for um, when we're so insistent on doing things ourselves instead of thinking about, like, if I just want that result, right, we're, we're with a baby, he's hungry, like, we just want to feed him. Like, if we want that result, why not just be thinking about what the fastest way to get there is? Yeah, and and I've realised, I've just, oh, I forget, the, the Aladdin Factor I just read by, do you know, have you read that one by Jack Hamfield? And I forget the other guy's name. And it's all about the power of asking and how to make you ask. So he says, if you don't ask, you have no chance. Yes. If you ask, you increase yourself by like 50%. But if you know how to ask, as in like, because what stops people is the fear of rejection yeah. and the fact that often they don't deserve it. Maybe they've been told to much in their childhood. Yeah. But he said, but if you deserve it and you believe you deserve it, you increase your chances of getting something by 400%. It's ridiculous. Wow. And it is amazing when I think sometimes at work, or whatever, I go, I want this. I need that. And you think, whether it be working from home, a day off or anything. And and I actually, I say to my son, or if I work from home today, and sometimes they say yes. And it, even if he says no, you go, well, I'm still in the same position. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. If you ask someone and they give you the wrong directions, well, you're lost anyway. <laughs> so like, there is literally nothing to lose. But like you say, especially with men, because that's the biggest blocker for, I find with the burnout, asking for help. Yeah. I see people... I presentation I did the other day, there was someone in there and he was like, well, I don't really, uh, I don't really suffer with what you're saying. And you can see outwardly they are. Yeah. But it's that <clears throat> they're the fixer. I'm the one that sorts stuff out. So yeah. suddenly if I need help, I've lost my identity. And I personally, I, it's taken me a few years to really let go of that. And I like to help people let go of that very quickly now, because yeah. as soon as you, life is just light, it's easy. Yeah. Like now I'll go and speak to my wife before I, if she had the answer and I didn't, I'd be a bit like, Oh yeah. If I like that. And it's just ego, isn't it? Whereas now I just go, do you know how to do this? And let her do it. And I find there's not a lot I've got to do now. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because I remember coaching her years ago around letting you and the boys um, stack the dishwasher in perfectly. So it was like, it works both ways, right? Like, there's certain things that she gets to let go of. I, I don't know if she saw that as well. Yeah, I say she needs some more work on that. <laughs> <laughs> we need another chat. Yeah. <laughs> there's certain things that like, 
that to me is part of being a team whether it's like a marriage team or a work team or a family team or a community team or a sports team like it just makes sense and and for anyone listening that associates with what Johnny's speaking about about the fixer identity I just want to point out that like where else do you require yourself to be something 100% of the time in order to own the identity right like it's just such a perfectionist way of identifying like you can be a fixer and get support like and get help like the idea that if you're a fixer you have to be that all the time means that you are kind of constantly be putting yourself in real discomfort just to prove this narrative instead of just being Mm. one of the things I think we speak about in time hackers is like you really get to define yourself and describe yourself Mm. if you can only describe yourself as a success when you are succeeding I mean, we spend 90% of our lives in failure. <laughs> so yeah. part of success is failure. It's required. So otherwise, you know, you're either always a success or always a failure. Why not be both? And if you are someone, what I would say is because I was that fixer type, definitely. I got solved the problem. But when you ask, you will fix problems a lot quicker. Yeah. And, and, the, fixer. and the example I use, my and I said it on the off the cuff to my mate and he used it. He's a coach in his coaching all the time he said now because we had um a leaky boiler we used to have to keep you know we got to keep charging it up um, and nikki would say do you think it's a radiator leaking no suddenly i become the uh, expert in plumbing obviously because i'm a man <laughs> <laughs> terrible and, and i'd be going no no it's not do you think we all just no 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 point no i have to get someone in two years i think this was leaking 18 <laughs> months two years and we'd charge it up three four times a day and then nick goes carpet's wet in the boys room oh i have to get a plumber up do all this do all that the shit and this is the thing i found is it's the shame yeah of not knowing so now this radiator is leaking and i'm going now i don't know how to sort this so i there's two people like a phone i didn't want to i phoned one he wasn't there i phoned my other mate and he goes oh, i'm really busy at the moment i said well i got this lady radiator leaking <laughs> he just went if you try tightening the nut and i was like no, I've actually done that. Got a spanner out. That's all it was. Quarter. But and we but I had worked so much on being vulnerable. And that was in my stage where I was doing it. But what I realized was to be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to feel that, I got the answer. Whereas <clears throat> I would have been there, I'd have had the carpets ripped up, floorboards up, and it literally just it only offered just tighten the nut. But before I would have beat myself up. I'm stupid. I should have known that. And that was a big thing for me. I would never have done any of something in my life, like putting skirting boards on. And then I go, do it and go, well, I'm rubbish. And Nikki would go, of course you are. I've done it before. Why would you know how to do it? I said, well, I should know. Almost like I'm a man. I should know how to do these things. And it is just rubbish. And when you're willing to be bad at it, which is what I've learned a lot from you, willing to be bad, just be a beginner. And suddenly when you drop all that and you ask for help, and what you find is people love helping. Yeah. My, bro- my brother-in-law loves it when I phone up and go, I'm just about to drill hole in the wall. What bolt do I use? Yeah. I got this bolt. And he's like, yeah. And people actually, I think it shows people that they can do the same. Yeah. That's the thing I find. Yes, exactly. And we're all like good at different things. None of us can have all the skills. And that's the advantage of being part of a community or having a network. Well, I often think this, I think, Back in, sorry if I keep coughing, I got, I think I got a bit of nasal drip or something. It was cough. But, 
<laughs> or coughing and hacking. <laughs> but I thought like in a community years ago, you'd have had the baker, you'd have had the you'd have had the blacksmith. And the, the baker wouldn't be trying to make uh shoes for the horses. <laughs> you know, and, and the blacksmith wouldn't be baking his own bread. They you would just do what you're good at and you would like it that someone else could do something. Whereas now we've suddenly come away from community and we suddenly somehow think that we should be amazing at all of it. And I just like, how do I think that I, like my skills are speaking to people. I can go into really in the police, for a violent, aggressive thing. I can speak to little kids, but then there's other things that just aren't my strength and I can get better at them, but sometimes there's someone better. And what I found since when I go to someone, I go, can you help me with this? And they go, but you've been in 16 years. I went, yeah, but I don't know how to do it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and suddenly they've got value in that community because they're helping you with something you genuinely need help with. Yeah. And I think it's just lost in our society a lot of the time now. We don't have to actually be good at everything. We just be able to be a fixer. I think you need to find the person that's good at it and get there <laughs> and, and ask them to do it. That's how I think now. It's so much easier. Yes, <laughs> I do. I think that's a huge point. And I think... For anyone that's listening that's like, yes, I like to be the fixer, I would start thinking about how much time do you think you would save? How much faster do you think you would get to solutions if you started to identify the role as less the being the person doing all the things mm. and more the person sourcing the support for all the things? Yeah, yeah. And that for me has been a massive shift. And even coming into the coaching world, I realized I wanted to be the best at everything. If I wanted to be, I just, yeah, I, I just wanted to be the best and realized that when I dropped that, when I just went, what well, it's not about sort of competition all the time. It's just about being the best I can be, yeah. identifying my strengths and then letting other people help me. But you've, I don't think you can do that until you're willing to be vulnerable. Cause when you first start it, you're going to deal, if you're, perfectionist that type of person you're going to have the shame you're going to have the <clears throat> the beating yourself up that you should all the shoulds and all that but once you become aware of that and drop it oh, honestly life is it is so much easier yes it is and also just for anyone listening I also think that's where like coaching comes in and support comes in is it is a really hard thing to do by yourself and it can very easily turn into like a spiral of self-criticism and a spiral of shame and blame and shoulda, woulda, coulda and all of that. And that's where I think the value in like approaching this work with some kind of external support um, is very powerful because it, I don't want to sound depressing, but it can be dark before it's light. Mm. Um, and much like what Johnny's saying, like for me, my experience was it was just much more powerful, effective and enjoyable to do it supported well i i honestly don't think i don't think i could have changed it without someone simple as that and that's the other thing is why the fixers don't come to coaching (laughs) (laughs) that's that and i only came and what i think is a shame and this is what my motivation is trying to get people to come i think my being able to be vulnerable can help those people come sooner because i i had to wait to a point where something had to change we would had lots perceived stress in my job we were doing our house up where I'm sat now was all gutted out. We had, we had no kitchen. We washed up in the bath for nine months to a year. 
Yeah. And it was, we used to joke, well, I say we joke, but that's actually the reality. We used to say, we used to have to push the peas down the plug hole before, <laughs> before, before we could have a shower. And we used to have to pu- push the pubes down before we could wash up. It was, <laughs> and it, it was horrendous. It was, and I got a picture of all this washing up in the bath. And I used to come home kicking it out, just having a shower with all the washing up. Yeah. But I was at such a point where I thought I had to sort all this out. The house going up, the problems with the money. It wasn't Nikki's problem, it was mine. The stuff at work was mine. Yeah. And that, that's what led me to coaching because Nikki said in the end, you have got to do something. Because I was gonna, I was gonna pop, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right as well. It's like, do we have to get to that point where we're going to pop? And I think I hope that we don't, but I think our narrative around getting support is what needs to help and it being normalised. And I do think we're on that trajectory and we're seeing it more and more. But, like, I don't think it's a surprise. I mean, partly I think maybe the brand being feminist, but also I don't think it's a surprise that our community is, like, 95% women. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here and I'm so grateful for you being here and even why we initially connected because I do want to get the support in the hands of more men. I do want to have that... Mm. You know, I do think it's important. I do think the skills that we talk about aren't gender specific. They are human specific. And um, I just love that you're willing to firstly take the leap yourself and secondly, come on and share about it. And and that's the thing. I think think the first thing is people, men, probably think coaching is fluffy. And especially if you go into a community where it's a majority of women. But that's why as soon as I spoke to you, I resonated with you because you're very much not like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, Nikki had told me that when she coached, and and that's what I resonate with. I've been coached by people before, like Dex Randall, who I would come off like, because he would he would call me out on my bullshit. Yeah, he would call, and and that's what I say it is. You are really coaching is just it's calling you out in your bullshit, and and it's not fluffy. And and I actually really like coming in. Like when I went up to that live event, I think I was you. Apart from your husband, now is the only <laughs> like there, wasn't I? Can't do it. Yeah, you're but, the guy. Yeah, I didn't feel out of place. Yeah, I didn't feel out of place. I felt really sort of part of that community, and and I, yeah, I think it's something that more men need to be go. Actually, if you come and get the help, yeah, and I think people think it's like therapy and counselling, but it's just not like that. You're not sat on a couch talking and going over the past, which obviously, if if you've got trauma, then you probably need that to go down that route. But if, for me, if you're just struggling with the day-to-day things, if you're work, like for me, I used to be working on all the time. I used to be doing 12, 15, 16 hour days all the time. Yeah. And I got my time management down really good, but the time hackers has made it even more. Cause I know when I said to you, I don't know if I got time to sign up, I yeah. have to do this, this. And you went, well, that's the point of time hackers. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, I remember you saying, I was going, well, I just got to make sure I change my shift because I haven't got time doing this and doing that. And you were like, no, that's the whole point of it. You don't have, you can do it, all of that. And it is brilliant because I, I make sure I have that free time. Yeah. And it's, but I, I would just say to anyone listening to this, just, I would just say, just give it a go because it, what you'll find is the time you put into Time Hackers, you will get back so much. If you think you haven't got time, to do it that is exactly the reason why you should do it <laughs> exactly the reason if it, that is the, if that's your excuse you haven't got time or even if you think because i one of mine was i don't think i i got the money but then i realized the time it's given me i've done more coaching and stuff like that and then i've earned 
that money back anyway and more. So, yeah, I think we have all these limiting beliefs and you almost need, I think this is the sticking point for people. It's those beliefs that are stopping them take the, taking the action, but the actual coaching would help them around that anyway. Right. It's like, I, I always <clears throat> think this. I always remember when I used to do consult calls, which I don't do anymore, but actually we are going to invite back some of our coaches to do. But it's like, whatever is stopping you from getting the support that you know you need and you know you want is going to keep stopping you or yeah. you allow yourself to like figure out how to overcome it to take that first step in getting the support and then you know how to overcome it for the other areas of your life that you want to overcome it for as well and I think my view is I put off going on I thought and my thing was I even when I started coaching I did coaching and then I thought I don't need a coach yeah <laughs> I thought I could because because the, you're the fixer you can do it on your own if you need yeah. coaching you know you're maybe you're not quite doing it right and all this but soon as what I realized it just accelerated me and not just accelerated me in my coaching business, accelerated me at work because it reminds you, it reminds you of concepts and suddenly you hear things in a different way and you realize, yeah, actually I'm, I'm starting just trying to effort more here. I'm trying to effort more. And it, and my, my philosophy is now just try it because yeah. I just think you can justify it all day long, but if you will, we'll invest thousands of pounds on a two week holiday where we generally put on weight and then feel terrible about it when we come <laughs> home. <laughs> and we, we spend months envisioning how good it is then spend all the time with kids moaning, everyone's too hot. <laughs> uh, we can't wait for the heat, then we're all too hot. Yeah. And we, and we won't think twice about that. But what we realize is you won't take that and invest it in yourself. And this gives you, for me, just gives you a lifetime. Yeah. Especially, especially with yours, because it's now lifetime membership, isn't it? And it's great because I sort of get that's perfect for me because I'm doing some other stuff. So there's times when I'm full throttle in it and there's other times when I come back, but it's always there. Yeah. And I and what I love about yours is it's not really long videos. It's really short, <clears throat> short, everything's like that because of the time. <laughs> and I just love it because you hear things and you go, yeah, and it just gets you going. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. It's an interesting one. Like years ago, I almost joined this program that promised to help you with your time. And I remember like it required like three or four hours a week. And I was like, I just feel like that's going to take so much time away. And I think, I mean, this program, you can do it however you want. You can do one 10 minute video a week or whatever, or do the whole thing. And we have people do it all however, whatever way they want. But I think I'm always thinking with the program around like, not what more can we add to make it more valuable, but like, what could we take away where it would still be the same value? Yeah, that's a really interesting way, isn't it? And, and I think as well, being the group, I always had a bit of resistance doing group, always wanted one-on-one. -on -one. But what I found is being part of a group and I've started doing a bit of group, so I've got all these one-on-one -on -one clients. I thought, I'm coaching them all on the same problem here. Let's, <laughs> let's offer them an extra bolt-on, as an extra value as a group. And they're making such leaps and bounds now because they're hearing the other person yeah. And they've gone, oh, I don't even need to be coached on this because that's me. Yes. And, yeah. and that when I was put the live and you're listening to people that you think have got it sorted and they're launching something and they've got all the fear. And then when you can see, especially as a coach, when you can see them holding themselves back and you think this is just because you're about to break through to your <clears throat> next level. Yeah. And then you can go, yeah, and that's what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> that's what, what I'm doing. We spoke about shame before, and I think being in community is a kind of like a hack, a shame hack, because 
you see like, oh, I'm not judging this other person for doing what I've been doing, but I might have been judging myself for it. Yeah. So like, it's just very, I think I think it's a total time hack to be in community. And I do also love that we offer the one-to-one as well. And just so everyone knows, Johnny is becoming a time hacker coach. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so you'll be able to connect with him on that on time hacker coaching, which is fun. I just think the, I, I, I sort of just fell into the, productivity I don't like to say time management because you can't manage the time can you but that's what everyone sort of <laughs> refers to it as but I just love it because I think it just affects everyone yes when you say to people I could get you to do twice as much in half the time everyone's like oh yeah and and I, I sit in an office of detectives who spend a lot of time telling people how busy they are yes. <laughs> and and spend a lot of time scrolling on phones and doing stuff and procrastinating. And you think, and then stay, and this is what I was like, I'd avoid all the work and then I'd stay on late. Yes. And you think as soon as you, you apply like, the concepts that you teach is the relationship, like with the fear relationship with failure. That's a, that's a big, that's a biggie, isn't it yes. really? Yeah. And then that relationship with yourself, oh, I forgot the other relationship decisions. with decisions, relationship with decisions. Cause that's a big one for me is that, getting really it's sort of getting really confident with your decisions you just it's almost like you sit there and go oh, I've got you know I've got much to do now <laughs> and, and, in, and in the police there's always work coming through but you don't feel overwhelmed by it because you know you can get it done yeah it's gonna take and I love your concept of which I had to get coached on because I struggled with it when I first heard it was it'll take as long as it as long as you give it yes and I really struggled with that because I had a case file but I thought until I start it, I don't know how long it takes. I this I could give it an hour, but I this could be a two-week project. But I also knew if I gave myself a month, that's how long it'd take. Yeah. And I was sort of being coached on it. And I remember going, I know if suddenly <clears throat> this was a prisoner who was what we call remanded, what I'm taking weeks to do, we would do within a few hours because yeah. we do it. Yeah. So it can be done and I could see I was just giving myself his extra time because of fear yeah and it was taking longer so suddenly you just go right it's done in this time let's do it yeah b minus done is better than perfect boom and that's what this is I think I had a base level anyway but time hackers is sort of like put a rocket under that yeah so it's been really good I'd recommend I recommend anyone doing it because <clears throat> even if you're not a coach just just anyone in business i would love for most of the police to come in <laughs> i i the people i've coached i've said go and see about time hackers because they're <laughs> because they're going on they're you're coaching on the same thing every time like these issues they've got and you go if you just felt the fear yeah all of this doesn't mean you're not going to be scared and that's something you i picked up on what you said like you could self-coach on this all day long yes but the moment you do that new thing for the first time your brain's going to produce fear so you yeah. may as well just do it and get it behind you and that is yeah that's sort of really stuck with me ever since I love it and and I agree with you I think time not only does time impact all of us but time impacts every area of our life and so when we like build that skill of hacking time and understanding that we get to decide how long things take which I'm sure is terrifying to some people listening as it was to you <laughs> <They're> like, what <laughs> I know it seems out there but and it doesn't always mean we want things to be faster. Sometimes we want things to be slower, but just owning that choice, I think it, it, I don't know. I just think time is our most valuable asset. It's the one thing we can't get back. It's the one thing 
even how I ended up in time, like I used to volunteer with the elderly and they would always say they wish they spent their time differently. And Mm. I think no one is teaching us how to really optimize our time. And so we're giving it away as though we like, we can grow more of it and we literally can't. Um, Yeah. And you think we're so careful what we spend our money on. And this is what I realized, like at work, I would quite happily listen to someone telling me about something that has no impact on me, which I don't mean rude. I really wasn't interested. I want to get on my work, but, but you wouldn't want to say, excuse me, can I, can I get back to you later? But we won't waste money. We're oh, that's a, that's gone up a pound. I'm not going to spend that. Ooh. Yeah. But time, we're just like, yeah, just take it. Just do. Yeah. And, and I think what I've noticed is if you think at the moment your life is busy and your time is filled and it feels uncontrollable, what I've noticed with people is, and I noticed this with my sister, suddenly they get their time time back because they think it's something that's given to them and their kids go to school. Suddenly they're just as busy because they filled it with something else. And what I find a lot of the time is the people that I work with that are very busy and going, oh, I'm frantic is because they just don't want to sit and be with themselves a lot of the time. This is it. We are not taught how to do nothing. We're conditioned to be like productive producers or consumers because that's our value to the economy. Mm. And that's like how we've been conditioned more and more to be. We have to move away from that so that we can be, as I know is important to you, like it is to me, truly present with our family, truly present with ourselves, truly present with our relationships. Like all like what actually like if anyone listening, I want you to think about what your values are. Is it your value to like be available for work all the time, or is that a learned value? Is it your value to be on call all the time, or is that something you think Mm. you should do and just separating those? And this thing here is the worst, isn't it? Like, and I tell you now, for four years in the police, I because I think if someone's got an emergency, they dial nine nine nine. Because I find that you can talk to someone, you can actually have made the effort to travel and speak to someone, that phone will ring and they'll answer it and ignore you. Yeah. And you think, and I, and some people say to me, yeah, but you've got to answer it. And I said, I haven't, my phone, I have times that I answer it. Sometimes if I'm waiting for a call, it's urgent, I know, then I'll do it. But for four years, I've been doing that and nothing bad has happened. Yeah. And I'm in the police on child protection. Yes. And because some days, what about if I was off? Some people answer their phone when they're off. Yeah. But I've had it where I've walked up. I've, I've been doing something and my sergeant's gone, John, I got, I've got to, I'll speak to you about this. And I always do the Stephen Covey. Is this urgent? I, oh, yeah, really urgent. And then I'm talking to him. And then the t- his teams goes off and he turns around and answers it, not knowing who it is. And he's messing about with that. So I just walk off. I just, oh, boy, I go, and he went, God, John's a bit rude. Just walked off. No, but I was not- like, but I said to him, look, this couldn't have been that important because that call was more important. When when you want to speak to me, let me know and we'll put some time aside. But what I found is people think that it would damage your relationships. When I first did it, when people used to come and interrupt me, because in the police, like most places, people think their inquiry is so urgent. And you could have something that hasn't got to be done for two months, but people need the answer now. <laughs> I need to, and people would come up and I go, and I'd be working away, John, and they just start asking, they wouldn't even say you're busy. They'd ask, start asking. I said, oh, and I just go, excuse me, is it, um, is it urgent? Does it have to be done like in the next hour? No. Okay. I'll get back to you at like three o'clock. And to start with, they'd be like, but start with, they go, oh, we've got to make an appointment to speak to John. But what it actually did was had the opposite effect. People didn't get funny with me. When I did speak to them, then people would say, have you got, Time. And then they go, 
ah, I know if you're speaking to me, you have got time. And I'd be totally engaged. And and I've got this thing now where if I'm working, people will go, have you got a minute? And I'll just go, and that was really uncomfortable to start with, but I, I persevered with it. And now I've got this where I can stay focused on my work. And then when I, if they come to me with something that's really urgent, I can put down what I'm doing and listen. If it's not urgent, they can wait and I'll do my work and then get to them. And it's, and setting those boundaries, you realize time is not the issue. Time is, time is there. Yeah. It's, it's all there. It's just how you're using it. And I think that's what time hackers really, I think other coaching programs have touched on it, but whereas you just specialize in that, yeah. that's, and I think it's what probably most people need help with, isn't it? most people that i speak to yeah yeah well i i just don't know anyone that you everyone's the biggest it's like a badge of honor everyone speaks to me if if you see someone i was counting one day how many people said it was ridiculous i lost count in the end (laughs) everyone you see was not hello you busy Mm. you busy you busy and because i started saying no (laughs) and they get busy no what what you got nothing on well yeah i'm doing something but i'm only doing that one thing yeah interesting is either you're busy or you've got nothing on instead of like everything in the middle of that yeah you're busy or you're lazy yeah like no because and they go oh i'm ever so busy and i think we can't be that busy because you spent 20 minutes telling me about how busy you are (laughs) so good Mm. oh wow this has been so great thank you for coming on and sharing not only like pleasure yeah but like how it's applied to your work life what you've learned in your work life what you've created through time hackers and we're just getting started anyone listening um if you want to stay connected and work with johnny he is the police and high stress burnout coach is that right yeah yeah and you can let let people know how they can connect with you yeah so i'm i'm on um linkedin as johnny bevan and uh, police burnout coach <laughs> i do I'll have to connect with you there. I've, yeah, I've only just, I've, I haven't been on there that long, actually. But I'm also on Instagram as Johnny Bevan and and also Facebook, the same John, as Johnny Bevan coaching on there. So we'll, what we'll do is we'll get links to the show notes. Yeah. Oh. Um, and just thank you for being here. And of course, if you've listened to this and you're inspired to join Time Hackers, we will have the link to that in the show notes as well. Or if you just want to get a taste with one-to-one Time Hacker coaching, and maybe if you're listening to this at some point in the future, you can even book some coaching with Johnny, Time Hacker specific through us mm. as well, which is super fun. Um, thank you for coming on. We did what we said we were going to do and just had an unplanned conversation. I think it went well. Yeah, loved it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks so much. <laughs> Hey, if you want to get five hours a week back minimum for life, then I want to invite you to join Time Hackers. It's this podcast on speed where you'll get access to time hacking tools not shared on the podcast. You'll get access to my proven process for hacking your time to get five hours back every week at least. It's also my favorite place to hang out and will be yours too, as you connect with other time hackers, where you'll get celebrated, supported, and coached, of course. You are a time hacker. This is where you belong. Head to vickilouise.com forward slash group. I can't wait to see you there.